Hi, I'm Notre Dame safety Kyle Hamilton, and you're listening to Single High, a Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com, the official home of the Kyle Hamilton fan club. And Greg Welcome back to another edition of Single High, Notre Dame football podcast from UHND.com. Coming to you a couple days after Notre Dame's latest victory over Syracuse and the ACC refs that were hell-bent on making that game closer than it ought to be or it should have been. I am one of your hosts, Frank Vitovich, coming to you tonight or this morning uh, along with my co-host, Mr. Greg Flamont, who is also the president of the Kyle Hamilton Fan Club. I forgot to mention that. It's the first time I forgot to mention that, Greg. I'm sorry. It's been, it's okay. a, it's it's a, been a long it's been a long weekend, man. It yeah. is a long, long weekend. And in the words of one of my friends last night, uh, us 40-year-old men are are we're writing some checks our bodies can't cash with all of the sporting events that are happening right now. But it's fun and I'm and I'm having a good time. So let's uh Let's talk a little Notre Dame football. What uh, what were your thoughts, uh, you know, coming out of uh, coming out of yesterday's uh, victory? Right. So if uh, if you've um, if people have been listening to the, uh, I think on our pod, I talked yep. about it that I would be upset with um, you did. Marcus Freeman if they didn't win, and I I I definitely said it on the Hit and Hustle pod with Jamie on the preview show, and. Uh, that I they needed to find a way to win. They they had to. It, it's you know you're eight games into the year and um, you need to make do with what you got. And that's what coaching is, yep. right? You 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 know what you have. You know what it can look like with Drew Pine. And you know, you know what you got to do. You got to be able to run it. You got to start faster, and um, and you got to figure out a way. That that's that's the essence of coaching, right? Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, I, like you said, I, I, like I've said before, it's uh, you. I was understandable of the struggles that Notre Dame was having and Marcus Freeman's lack of ability to kind of figure it out on the fly, right? You didn't think you'd get the Drew Pine that you got against Stanford because of the first two, you know, the, the previous two games with North Carolina and BYU. He was so efficient and he was so uh, accurate. Get it against Stanford, you're you're surprised, right? It surprises you. Well, it's it's road Drew Pine. We've you know it's a different man, right? Well, I have a theory about that too <laughs> because people are concerned about the okay. thing, and I, and I and I have a theory about that. Um, All right, that well, we we're gonna want to hear that. 
Right. So but I think there were no excuses going into this game. You knew what you could get, and you got to get them ready to win with a bad quarterback performance. Or bad. I'll just say a a performance that the quarterback is not going to be the reason you win. Okay, you need to win some other kind of way. And that's exactly what happened. Yeah. Right. They, they they ran the ball the way they needed to. Um, they defended for the most part the way they needed to. They got a pick six on defense. You got a block punt again. That was basically returned for a touchdown. You know, they, they recovered it at the two. They scored on the next play. And that's what you got to do. You got to pick mm-hmm. up your team. And they did it. And so it's uh, Marcus Freeman. Hats off, man. Hats off yeah. to him. He, he did what he needed. And um, it, it was it was great to see. It was great to see. Um, and I think we did see that was probably, I mean, actually, I don't know where, where I would rank that in terms of Freeman's um, you know, head coaching jobs that he's done so far in his short time. as the, It's a, it's a 100%. It's, it's definitely his best one. You think so? Is it because, because yeah. I mean, the North Carolina one in, in retrospect is looking even, that one's looking pretty damn good too, considering North Carolina still hasn't lost other than to Notre Dame. Um, so that was the one that, the other one that I was thinking I would, uh, I would have it up there, uh, have it up there with. I think a couple of things that really impressed me with Freeman this time is, uh, you know, one, yeah, when, when Syracuse made their little run, you know, every, Twitter was all, oh, no, another Fiesta Bowl. There's the Fiesta Bowl again, right? Like, everybody was saying, like, ah, oh, it's just it's the same feeling. This is what's going to happen. We're going to blow it. Yeah. And and the team didn't. They didn't flinch. Um, given kind of how this season has gone, you know, with Notre Dame being 5-3, and three, the two rough losses, you know, you, it could have been very easy mm-hmm. for this team to buckle at that point because um, it got to, you know, within seven and it wasn't looking good. And then, uh, you know, Howard Cross tips the pass, uh, you know, at the line, which think, I mean, Hey, wherever the tip pass has been all season. I think you said it last week, actually, like Notre Dame's not tipping passes, but Drew Pine gets like 14 tipped a game. And, uh, and then, you know, right into the hands of Maris Leofow, who hopefully that is a spark, you know, for him. Cause he's been playing better. Yeah. I, I don't, we still haven't seen the player that, um, you know, we heard about last summer that was just, you know, causing havoc everywhere in practice and was going to, you know, have this huge breakout season. He, he was not having, he did not have a good start to the season and he's playing better, but he's still, you know, you're up, up until that play, that was really the first like huge momentum changing play he's made. So hopefully that is kind of, you know, the spark that he needs to get going. So but just the fact that the team held it together, not only did they, you know, you know, withstand that surge, then they rebuilt the lead back up to 21, which was um, which was great to see. And a poorly coached football team does not do that. Right. They're, they wouldn't have, uh, you know, rebuilt the lead the way that they did if this was a, you know, a poorly coached football team. So that was a that was a great job by Freeman uh, for one. And I'm going to tell you the other thing that I loved about Freeman, and it could just be. The camera angles we got this week versus other weeks. But, man, I've said it on this pod before that I wanted to see more emotion from him on the sideline. And we we saw it, right? He was giving the ref the business there at the end of the first half when he thought Syracuse shouldn't have been um, allowed to get their substitutions in when he wanted to go fast and, uh, and, get, and get the playoff. 
But, I mean, he was not happy then. And there were other times on the sideline where you saw him you know, not happy, which I think was a good you know, departure from what we had seen in some of those other games where it was just, you know, him by himself. And you're like, dude, you got to this is you are the head coach now. You don't have to just stand there, you know, all by yourself and not and not interact. So I thought it was it, it feels a little bit like Freeman starting to come into his own and, you know, and learning, you know, kind of what his new role is and what he what he can and or what, what, he, what he should and shouldn't do. Right. I think we talked about this too one week where it's like it's to me, it, it has at least kind of felt like Freeman up until, you know, those first few games was like, I have to do these things because this is what a head coach does. And that's like, you don't have to do it. You know, there's no, there's no textbook that says you got to do it one way. And I think we're starting to see him, you know, start to do things his, you know, his way, uh, which is great because that's what they need from, that's what you, we need from the head coach at, uh, you know, at Notre Dame. So I agree that there were, you know, overall, I think, you know, this was a very, positive performance for Notre Dame given where things had been you know just three weeks ago or whatever it was two weeks ago um, when we lost to uh, you know lost to lost to Stanford but I mean there, there were definitely things in this game that you look at and you're like Oof, it's not good for now it's not good for the rest of the season but I mean unless you came into this game expecting to see the Notre Dame team that started the season you know, ranked fifth that we all thought was going to be, you know, that, that everybody thought could be a playoff contender. I think you had to be relatively happy with this. Now, if you're still watching Notre Dame, uh, you know, here on October 31st, which is when we'll push this live, thinking that this is a top five team, then you probably weren't, you know, happy and you were probably, you know, kicking and screaming during during that game. But we're, we're not going to see that team. <laughs> we're just not because that team doesn't exist. We've learned it but that, uh, that that's not what Notre Dame is. So, to go on the road, 17-point win over a team that is still ranked even after the loss to Notre Dame. That's big. I mean, I'd have to – I probably could should have looked this up, but I don't know. remember the last time Notre Dame had a double-digit you know, win. Was, was Wisconsin ranked last year when we beat them by a lot? I can't remember. Yes. They yeah. were. Okay. Yes. But they didn't stay ranked much longer. So, I mean, Syracuse has a no, chance to end – No, that might have been it. That, that... Yeah, Syracuse has a chance to end the season. Uh, in a ranked because they are, uh, you know, they, they, have, they have the two losses and I think they stayed at what, like 22 or 23, somewhere in that range, like bottom of the top 25. Yes. So that's, I mean, that's a, that that's a pretty good performance, right? We were an underdog, went on the road and won by 17. Now there's plenty to, you know, to dive into. That was not great. Uh, but I mean, I think overall, you know, you should, Notre Dame fans should be, somewhat pleased with uh, you know with 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 the outcome and you know what? i just looked at syracuse's remaining schedule too they got pitt florida state wake forest boston college so what do you think i mean even if they go they maybe i don't know Pitt's not that good florida state is meh uh, florida state's a good team where is that game yeah that well that is at well, it just says I'm assuming it's gonna, you know, at the Carrier Dome or the JMA, yeah, oh, JMA okay. Wireless. Okay. It's a home game for them. Um, they are the play. The ESPN predictor gives them a 56% chance. Um, and then they got Wake and Boston College. So I mean, that could they could conceivably go three and one there and end the season nine and three, and still be ranked. So anyway, right. overall, I think you know, pleased. I think there's some clear, you know. 
<laughs> clear issues still, you know, with this team. I think the two biggest for me coming out of the game is still quarterback, obviously, and red zone defense. Although the ACC refs did kind of, you know, screw Notre Dame out of uh, their first stop in the, you uh, know, in, in the red zone. I still, have you seen any replay that shows a Notre Dame player offsides? Because they didn't show it during the telecast or even yeah. say who it was called on. Right. So it was on Justin Adam Lola. I think he lined up offsides. I did. Was he? Well, but yeah. I mean, Syracuse was doing that and they didn't get called for it. So, you know, maybe he right. just thought those I, were the I, new rules. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> stuff there where it's like, I don't know what to say, but I, I, on the play, he does, it does seem like he's standing in the neutral zone. Is it, okay. All right. Well, then they yeah. still, they still, uh, you know, gave them the touchdown when the receiver ran out of bounds and uh and step back in but um you know allegedly it kind of looked like uh you know he stayed in so they uh so they didn't overturn it apparently but that was ridiculous i couldn't believe that they did not overturn that when it was pretty clear that he stepped out of bounds to the point that the cornerback was like oh he's out of bounds i don't have to cover him anymore right (sighs) um just to get back to the freeman thing too yeah um you know what I thought he did is he turned all of his his uh, emotion and his nerves into competitiveness, which is mm. really what I liked, you know, yeah. because he, he felt cheated in the moment. And you could tell, I mean, he was steaming about it. He was yeah. very angry, like even after because they're like they didn't they didn't let them run the play when they wanted to. They made them wait, but when they ran the play, they got a first down, yeah. and so it's it, it was inconsequential, right? Yep. It didn't matter. They got the first down, and they got the yardage they would have gotten. Yeah, but he was still angry, yeah. and and you could tell he was still mad. And and when they like he I, he felt like they were being cheated, and and that just flipped the switch in him to competitive Marcus Freeman, and and it's like I'm a player, you know, and he's. He he went to that place and they went and scored the touchdown. He goes out on the field and he's like, yeah, like we showed them, you know, like we, they, they can't hold this down kind of thing. Like you could just, you know, that kind of vibe. And it's like, I see that is the sort of thing that a player will notice. Right. Remember yeah. a couple of shows ago, we were talking about how they don't notice his face. Yeah. They'll notice that. Oh yeah. It's super demonstrative and it's yep. out there. So um, I think that's the energy he needs to channel that. Right. And that's like, you know, it's a Dabo thing. It's a Pete Carroll thing. Like yeah. I think that's got to be Marcus Freeman's thing. Um, and so yeah, I thought that was uh, I thought that was uh, interesting. And and I think to the point about you know there's problems with the team and that sort of thing. I do think we need to like, you know, I think the the I think Drew Pine's performances against North Carolina and BYU kind of skewed how we think about this team, you know, because, or about him personally and what he can do, right? Because you see it and you think, all right, well, I I guess we should just expect this, right? He did it against North Carolina and then he did it against BYU. And I didn't think he did anything in either of those games that was like super duper, like out of the ordinary. Like he just threw to open guys and he threw it where it should, right? Like, if he's going to do anything, he needs to be accurate and he needs to be 
uh, making the right decisions, you know? And so when you see him do that in the game, he's not like, he's not pushing the ball downfield or anything. He doesn't have the biggest arm. He's not throwing on the run and being all dynamic and that sort of thing. And that's one of those, like, okay, it's a limitation, right? Like he is what he is, but you feel like that's repeatable. You know, usually if you're accurate, you're accurate. Yeah. Um, And that's, what's kind of dropped off. Right. But I think what we've seen the last couple of games, you know, few games are now, right. Stanford, UNLV, and then Syracuse. I think it's kind of what people thought we'd see when he was announced as the starter. Yeah. You know, because just because Tyler Buckner got hurt. And so I think that's what we expected. So it's like now that we've gotten it, because we saw the other piece, it's like you feel like that's really bad. Yeah. When but like if we if he had been playing like this the whole time, I think we'd have been like, Yeah, like that's that's what it is, right? So that's why to me it's like I don't think about I, I, I kind of view it a little bit different, right? Like they, they need to find ways to win games, you know, yeah, like, yeah. like uh, when in like 2000, uh, like Matt Lavecchio, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just like, if, if Notre Dame, like Notre Dame would win games like this, you know, Notre Dame would win games like this with Carlo holiday in 2002, you know? Yep. And, and it's just like, that's the way it's got to be. How many weeks did it um, take us in, in 2002 to score an offensive touchdown? Wasn't it, it like it was three? Like, it was like three games. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it's just, um, it's it's the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, you know, it just uh, find ways to make it happen, you know? And 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 the good part is, is that as, as, as bad as it's been the last three weeks, we mm-hmm. know that the, the North Carolina – in the BYU performances, we know it's in there. And shoot, man, like what if what if we just get it against Clemson, man? You know, what if we just yeah. what if he just plays out of his mind again? And it could happen. What if it what if it does, right? And and I wouldn't count, I don't count on it at this point. But shoot, you know, are we not due for him to hit Braden Lindsay on a go route? Are we not due for a post route? Is Notre Dame not due for uh, a bust a big play in the running game? I feel like Notre Dame's due. And maybe it'll come due next weekend. And that's what you hope for. But you gave yourself a chance for it to come due because you took care of business against Syracuse. And that's that's the thing. That's the thing. I mean, they're definitely due for a long run. Uh, We are due for a long run. It has been been a minute (laughs) since... Um, I mean, for as good as Notre Dame's running the football right now, it's been, you know, more death by a thousand cuts for the opposing defense versus, you know, ripping off 50, 60 yarders. Uh, I mean, it, it gets tough when you have as many, you know, numbers in the box as Notre Dame is running on, uh, which makes the fact that Notre Dame is still able to run impressive. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I, Tyree specifically feels like he's just due. Um you know, we've seen it from him enough, you know, uh, you know, in his in his career to think that, uh, you know, he should be able to or that, uh, you know, we, we should see one at some point this year. But, um, yeah, I mean, and to your point on the quarterback, I think you're pretty accurate in, in saying that, you know, 
Pine basically raised everybody's expectations. Um, you know, with three straight games of 70 plus percent completion percentage, you're like, okay, is oh, is nice. And he was, you even said it though after you were you were very prophetic on one of the pods uh, that we did. I forget after which game, but you're like, Ian Book did the same thing. Ian Book was completing 70. You know, he had like an 80 percent completion percentage one game. You know, those first few starts that he had in 2018 and then it came back down now it didn't come back down like this you know to where it's like below 50 percent which is it rough um and it's not like i think that the, the thing that has you know fans frustrated you know with the offense is because like the misses are not necessarily like you know throwing you know to to receivers that aren't open and a lot of times it's the receivers that that are open and you, we've seen him be accurate like you said so it's it's very puzzling how he's missing some of these now because you would think with more starts you know it, it shouldn't be jitters or anything like that like those should be long gone uh you know now that he's had as many you know uh, starts and snaps you know under his belt so it's weird that the, the completion percentage is dropping like it is um given the looks that he's getting. Because, again, it would be another thing, too, if it was like, oh, well, there's just nowhere for him to go with the ball. So he's, uh, you know, he's getting racking up a lot of incompletions. It's like some of these are misses are just open receivers. Um, or, you know, force – or the other, you know, the the other side of it is sometimes he just still does just force it to Mayer, um, you know, way too much. He threw the interception to him in the game where, you know, Mayer had, like – we had three three defenders under him basically, and a safety over the top. Where, I mean, you it would have been absolute like perfect pass to be able to fit that in. Like it would have had been an absolute perfect pass to fit that in. And sure enough, it ends up in an interception. Meanwhile, he had I think it was Estime was the back in the game at the time. You just all by himself, you know, on a check down on the other side of the field where he probably it's Estime. So I mean, he could have run through the one defender that was there um, within 10 yards, because there was only like one defender within 10 yards of him at the time, like could have run through him and, and, you know, and had a big play instead of a, you know, really big at the time, momentum changing um, interception. But uh, I would, I, I hope, you know, what, uh, what you just described about, you know, possibly happening in the Clemson game is, is possible. I think, my expectations and hopes are not necessarily that it is going to, uh, you know, to happen because I joked on Twitter today. I kind of feel like, you know, whatever the under is, just take it in that game. And somebody, somebody responded saying they got in at 46 and a half, which is a pretty low under for college football in 2022. But I mean, it could be a sluggish game, uh, you know, on, uh, on Saturday night, but What's your let's get into this theory of, uh, you know, the road drew pine looking, uh, you know, looking better than uh, than than home game drew pine. And just in general, the team has looked much better on the road this year than they have, uh, you know, uh, in Notre Dame Stadium. So I think everyone's pointing to the home and away part of it. And and I think that there's there's one thing that's in common beyond the fact that um you know there's one thing in common beyond the fact that you know the the venue and it's that every time they've been on the road this year and this includes even the the Tyler Buckner game right like every time they're on the road 
So they've had Ohio State, um, North Carolina. I'm going to count BYU because it's not, you know, it's not in Notre Dame Stadium. It's a neutral site, basically, right? Um, so let's see. North Carolina, uh, BYU. I think they were dogs to North Carolina. Do I have that right? I would have to go back and take I know BYU look. was a pick em, basically. Yeah. Um, and then you have the two home games, and then you have this game where they were slight dogs. And and so this is the only this is and it will be the only game in Notre Dame Stadium this year where it's not you're expected to blow them out. All right. Okay. You're expected, you're expected to blow out Cal. Obviously expected to blow out Marshall. Expected to blow out um, Stanford. Expected to blow out UNLV. And and you'll be expected to blow out Boston College. Right. Correct. And so to me, like, think about the game we just watched, right? How does the crowd react to the game we just watched? The home crowd? Yeah. I mean, when the first play of the game is a pick six, not great. No, that's, that's great, right? But then they go down and score. Yeah. Okay. And then Drew Pine misses Michael Mayer in the flat on third and three. Yep. And then, and then Groupie misses the field goal. And then the groans start, right? Yeah. And then Notre Dame goes a, a couple of drives stalling, not doing anything, right? Drew mm-hmm. Pine missing some passes and that sort of thing, right? And so you, the crowd starts to make that noise. And then the team starts to get down on themselves a little bit. Specifically, Drew Pine starts to get down on himself a little bit. Yeah. And for me, that is that that dynamic doesn't exist. That's true. On the road. Yeah. And it won't exist in this game coming up because it doesn't matter what it looks like in That's this true. game. Yeah. If it's seven, seven, the crowd will be into it. Right. It, it, if it's down 14, seven, the crowd will be into it. But if you're down 14, seven to Stanford, that's different. If you're only seven, seven against Stanford, it's different. There's a different energy. People are grumbling. There's groans. There's no energy. Like we want to be entertained. It's not that like the, the win is given. We want to we want Steve Angeli to play in this game. We want to play the backups, right? It's like that against Cal. It's like that against Marshall, right? Mm-hmm. And so I think this game will have an energy unlike the rest. And so I think you'll get what you know we, we say is road, the road team. Yeah. But I think it'll just be that like the crowd will be into it no matter what. Because we don't expect a blowout. If it's seven seven after one, we'll be like, great, that's awesome. Yeah. You know, you go up fourteen seven. It, it, who cares about all the three and outs, right? right. Who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. We're going up fourteen seven. That's great. You go up twenty one seven. We're we're freaking out, right? So, that's what I think it is. I, I think it's more of a like this team is not good enough, and Drew Pine is not consistent enough to be the type of guy where it's like, you know what, we're gonna win by three touchdowns, no matter what. And if we don't, we're gonna be upset. You know, and and yeah. we haven't in this game, right? Like, why are we upset? They won by three touchdowns. Why are we upset? Yeah. It shouldn't be. So that, well, that's I mean, I think, my theory on it. Yeah, I, well, I mean, I think this. I, I, I think the reason there are why there are there there are people who are upset about this one or frustrated. I think it's it, it's just the way you know it it played out and some uh, and just how the offense looked. If Notre Dame wins this game. 
41-24. But all of the points come on long drives. And he, uh, you know, and Pine completes 60% of his passes. Not even not even 70% like we had in those other games. 60% of his passes. And, you know, I think fans have a much different reaction. Like the fans who were, you know, upset or frustrated or whatever would, would be looking at this a lot different. Instead, you know, it's, oh, well, we had a pick six. We had a blocked punt. Uh, you know, we had another interception, uh, you know, from, uh, you know, from, you know, from Maris that set up good field position and the offense couldn't do, you know, the, the offense couldn't, you know, capitalize every time. So, and, and it's like, well, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, cumulative where it's like, well, it's been three, four weeks of this, of the offense, just not really being able to do much. And that's where I think some of the, the groans and the, and the frustration come, you know, even from, like I said, a 17-point win on the road over a ranked team is not something that you, you know, it's not necessarily something to sneeze at, especially when you lost two, three, what, what am I ever running out of weeks here? Two weeks ago to Stanford, a really bad team. And two months ago, uh, or less than two months ago, to Marshall, another really bad team. So I think that's where some of that, uh, you know, does, um, you know, does, uh, you know, do, does come from. Uh, because this game, again, it could have been, you know, I joked about the refs making it closer. Notre Dame could have made this, uh, you know, much more comfortable, comfortable victory. That first half, Notre Dame should have had more points, uh, you know, than they did. Some of the, the misses were just things you can't, you can't miss. Uh, and, and it goes back to, you know, how Notre Dame got into this position in general of, you know, allowing its quarterback room to be what it is. And that is... I think that's still, you know, what people look at too. And they're like, well, if this is what it is, man, there's all the, like, I think people feel that like somewhat uncertainty of sorts is like, well, there better be a transfer quarterback because this is what we got. And we don't have a commit for 2023. Mm-hmm. Like next year is like going to be the same. And I think that's where yeah. some of that, some of that comes from, but I don't mind it. It's not, it, it's not that I think people are wrong. And that's the other point. Like when I push back, like I think when I push back, like if people watch the post game show, um, the instant reaction, I, I push back on Mike. And I think, I think people thought that I was disagreeing with him. It's not that I disagree. I don't, I, I mean, people, I, f- I think people are right to be like, cause during the game, I mean, you certainly feel it during the game yeah. right? when it's happening and you don't know what the outcome is. You just think like, God, this is killing me. Like I can't, I don't want to continue to watch this anymore. Like it's so frustrating, right? Yep. Um, and then the game goes how it goes, and you like I think some people like me, like I just got over it because it's like, you know what? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Like, look what they just did. It's cool, like it's all <laughs> good, right? And I think some people just don't they don't want to say that. They hang on to that initial feeling of of this is killing me. They're they're leaving so much out there on the field, kind of thing. Yeah. So it's not that they're wrong; they're not. Like I think everyone felt it. It's just that, um, you know, I, I I I choose to say like, all right, I'm trying to be. I don't want to say even say realistic. I hate saying realistic, but just like just have some uh, some understanding of the fact that like, yeah, I mean, Drew Pine was the backup for a reason. Yeah. And that's okay, right? And and it is what it is. And they found a way to win, and that's fine. On to the next, right? 
Um, I do wish that it, it, he, you know, like you said, you score 41 points and you want it to look a certain kind of way. They hit a post to Tobias, right? They hit, they hit something to Styles, right? Um, you want that, right? And it just you're not getting it, and that's frustrating. Um, yep. So I, I understand that part of it. Yeah, I agree. And you know what else I think too is just like can you mention it? It's a good little segue to something else I wanted to, to chat through. Um, that was, you know, both encouraging, but then also kind of feeds into some of the frustration too, is that you know, we had another young wide receiver you know, step up and and make some plays, you know, this weekend. Welcome, you know, welcome to the chat, Dion Colsey. Uh, three catches, 44 yards, by far his best performance uh, you know, of you know, of the season of his young career. And, you know, I, I posted it, um, you know, I, I tweeted it out earlier today. I think he had 23 snaps this season combined, you know, heading into this game. He played 30 snaps. Uh, and look, he, the results were pretty good. You know, like I said, three catches, 44 yards. One of them, you know, he did bobble a little bit, but whatever. He came down with it and it was a big third down conversion. So, well, I, I was one that's just a great development. If that is like, I mean, if this is like a blip and he's not going to, you know, do this again, then, you know, then it doesn't mean anything. But if he builds on this and it's another young receiver who can make plays, that is huge, you know, for not just this season, because there's only, you know, a handful of games left, uh, you know, this this season. And, you know, we we are where we are with it. But for next year, right, Notre Dame needs all of these young receivers to be hits, given how few the numbers are, because if they're not, it's then it, it just compounds you know, how bad that wide receiver room will look, at least from a numbers perspective, um, you know, next year, um, you know, next year specifically. So Colsey playing great was, was awesome. I think, you know, to me, I like, I like, like seeing that. Um, but it's like, so now you look at this and you're like, okay, well now it looks like Colsey can make some plays. He looked pretty good out there. We know Jane Thomas can make plays. He made some plays, you know, again in, in this game, we've seen Tobias Merriweather make some big plays or make a big play against Stanford and hasn't really, um, yeah, hasn't really been heard from. He has been targeted. He just hasn't, um, you know, hasn't really held anything in since then. And it's like, well, we know what Styles can do. We, we we've seen it. So it's like, okay, well, we actually maybe have four, you know, young wide receivers who can all do some things. This is great. And it's like, well, but do we have a quarterback that can really get them the ball? And it's like, I think that's where it's like it was good to see Colsey, but then it's like it kind of tempers that a little bit too, because it's like, well, this, and what are we going to do with these four? Um, you know, it's. You know, when you throw for 116 yards in uh, you know in a game in a college football game in 2022, um, it's not ideal. Um, so uh, I, I guess but I wanted to bring up Colsey specifically. Wait, do you think you know we see more of him? I know he's playing primarily because um, what Lindsey had like an illness or something. Freeman said and missed a lot of practice, so. They got uh, they got Colsey ready to uh, you know to play, but you do you think this is gonna be a blip or is this something that you know maybe he uh, you know he can build on? Um, I I think we'll see him more. I mean, yeah. it's basically because you know we've been talking about how Lindsey was getting he didn't need to get seventy snaps a game or whatever. Right. Like, that just there's not no need for it. Um. And, you know, Lindsay didn't play because he was sick during the week, so that's right. understandable. Um, but like you got to understand too, and I think everyone with Jaden Thomas, right, or anyone, frankly, like Tobias, right. 
they threw the ball 19 times, 19 pass attempts. What does a breakout look like? You know, like three for 43. That's that's a huge game, right? Because there's just not a lot of balls being distributed, right? And you know Mayer is going to get at least six or seven or at least or eight of all that stuff, right? So it's like what does a breakout game look like for anybody? You know, and that's that's the part that's difficult. Like like Jaden Thomas, right? Like if the guy catches three balls for you know fifty yards or whatever, I mean that's a that's a big game. Yeah. Right? Because you're just not they're they're not throwing the ball. Um I mean it's it's like really like you know, nineteen ninety three, nineteen ninety two again, right? Where it's like you're running the ball 50, 60 times and then you throw it nineteen and hopefully you get some some deeper balls um to keep the defense honest and that sort of thing. But you know, so I, so to to your point, like, do, do I think that this could be? I think it could be something bigger, um, if they if they were running that type of offense, but they're not. You know, right. you, you, you know, you're gonna have what 15, you know, hopefully 14, 15 completions per game. Right. There's just not a lot of balls to go around there. There's, there's they're not throwing it enough for anyone to have a big big game. Um. So even if he gets more snaps, I I don't know what like that means in terms of like uh his numbers and that sort of thing right well yeah and i don't necessarily mean like is he going to put up you know a ton of yards i just mean even need snaps because if you look at it oh snap for sure point, yeah. I, I from a nap sna- uh, nap from a snap standpoint <laughs> i could use I a nap think, this weekend <laughs> from a snap standpoint I, th- I think you're i think we'll see it he's going to stay in the lineup that that's gotcha so to answer yeah. that question i think he will which is huge again because like you know you people you know like pondering like well you know, he's halfway through his sophomore year. We're not hearing from him. Um, it's one thing if you're, you know, halfway through your freshman year and you're not playing, but when you're halfway through your sophomore year and you're not playing and, you know, it, not like the ton of the you know the receivers ahead of you are lighting the world on fire, you know, people start to wonder, like, well, was he going to be, you know, a miss? Um, you know, will, will he be here long term? Right. They, those things were people definitely were, you know, were pondering them you know, out loud. Um, so to see him, you know, come you know, have a game where he does get involved, you know, that much and produce um, is, like I said, is it, I think it's big for, you know, not just this year, but, uh, you know, but next year, because let's assume, because I'm, I'm in a, I'm in a fairly positive mood, you know, given the fact that my Philadelphia teams are doing great. Notre Dame had, Notre Dame had the big win. Uh, I'm just going to assume the quarterback room at Notre Dame looks very different next year um because it has to for one but um i mentioned this last week and i i think there might be some like i don't know it, to me it, it explains why you know somewhat why, why freeman maybe didn't change things there too much this year because notre dame was linked to some transfer quarterbacks you know early nothing ever really fully developed though because he was again he was like a month not even a month on the on the job as the head coach where he's, you know, trying to figure out how to save a recruiting class. He's preparing to, you know, coach a bowl game and make his head coaching debut. And I think he, they, you know, he probably just trusted, you know, Reese to say like, do we, do we need one of these guys? Do we not need one of these guys? Like, you know, these quarterbacks better than I do, you know, and it, it, it kind of sounds like Reese was like, now I'm going to roll with Buckner. And um, I mean, we'll never know either if Buckner would have looked better this year because he got, you know, because he got hurt. But um, 
I, I looking back at like it kind of makes sense why they didn't in some regards because um, it's like okay we just had a lot of upheaval here and it's like now do we bring in a transfer quarterback and maybe you know upset the locker room a little bit whatever but now I think it's just like nobody can be upset about it so um, I'm going to assume in a perfect world the the quarterback room looks different next year now if if Colsey's playing more and he's producing and now you head into 2023 with Lorenzo Styles, uh, Deion Colsey, Jane Thomas, and Tobias Merriweather all, you know, playing playing snaps, kind of trending upwards. Then if you, you know, somehow get, you know, Avery Davis to come back for like a ninth year senior role. Um, I don't yeah, think it's sure. possible, by the way. It's not. Uh, I thought it. I, I thought so. it's. Not, I, I thought Freeman even may, said it. Maybe he did. I don't know. I I don't see how he can, but maybe he can. I, I believe Freeman had mentioned that it would be possible because of when he got hurt, because um, he still had the year of eligibility. It would have to be a medical hardship, and it would have to be approved. But right, I think it, right. it it is possible. Okay. Um, but anyway, like then you, it's not as much of a, um, you know, kind of a need, or you you you're looking at that room a lot differently if all four of those guys are playing real snaps, developing, and you're also looking at you know Chauncey Stuckey like oh okay you know what you've got dealt a not great room and you got four young receivers you know playing so um I, I think it's it's big for next year more so than than the rest of this year because again now assume you have somebody else a quarterback next year who maybe you don't have to who can throw more than you know 19 20 times a game and you know you start to see how like okay that offense could could be fun with uh, you know with some of those guys especially when you look at you know what's coming in from an offensive skill uh, you know position uh, perspective. Um, so that was that was you know kind of one of my big takeaways you know on on offense from a you know from a positive you know perspective. I thought it was also great to see the staff just be like you know what Audrey Estime we know you fumbled some coaching staffs might bury you in the depth chart because we do have Logan Diggs and we do have Chris Tyree. Um, so we might just give them, you know, the lion's share of the snaps and you, you know, maybe get some low leverage situations, but that was not the case. Audrey Gastonay was out there early. They trusted him. He rewarded the coaching staff with putting their, uh, you know, putting their trust in him with a, with a pretty good game. So I really, cause we talked about this last week. We were like, are we going to, we got asked about it. And I think we both were like, well, we'll see him in some capacity. But probably not, you know, the lead back type role that it looked like he might, uh, you know, he might be, uh, you know, might be headed for it. And, you know, Tommy Reese and Dylan McCullough were like, well, we will show you guys and we're going to give him 20 carries. And he's going to show you by you show all of us by posting a buck 23 and two touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, I, it, honestly, though, like good coaching. It exactly. is. Yeah. It's good coaching because. Because here's the thing. You need to show the other backs in the room, too. Like, look, if you could, if you put the ball on the ground a bunch, then we're, you're going to have to sit. Like, in that game, right? And, look, I, I think the game flow also helped, right? Like, if Logan Diggs was doing well, like, that's fine, you know? And, and so I think that was part of it. Like, I don't think it's a conscious choice to be like, you know – yeah, we're definitely sitting you for the rest of this game. We're not giving you any more carries. Like, I don't know if it was that. I think it just, it was part of how the game went and Logan was doing really well, but the, 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 the other backs need to know too, like, Hey, we're not playing favorites. Like we're going to give you guys your shot 
And if you put the ball on the ground, you're going to have to sit too. And, but then, you know, you coach him and you give him another chance in the next game. And in this game, the first two plays on offense, they, they give him the ball. Right. And so, look, that's good coaching. You taught him a lesson. You let him know. You, you, you made him accountable. You're accountable to these guys. You can't put it on the ground. And if you do, you, you can't be out there. But then we're going to put you back out there in the next one when we coach you up. We give you another chance. And they did. And then he came through. Right. That's good coaching. And that's good on estimate as well. Accepting the coaching. Right. Not pouting about it. Just going out there and doing what he's supposed to do. Right. So I think that's I mean, that's what you want. Right. Everyone wants that. Well, I, you can't put him out there when he's still fumbling. But then we'd also don't want to send him to the doghouse forever. Like it's, you know. Yeah. Well, it's the same. I mean, that's a good job by everyone all around. It's like the same when we complain about a player not playing and then the, we, the player goes in and does something good. And it's like, wow, well, we're still complaining about it, which is like, wait, the coaching staff just did the thing that you were complaining that they don't do. But you're still complaining that they just didn't do it soon enough for you. And right. it's like, come on, because that's one of the other things that I loved was seeing Jordan Botello get in the game. And I tweeted something out about him, too, because it was like, hey, he was Notre Dame's second highest rated uh, player you know, from PFF and he had the two sacks and he had a great game, but it's like, we hadn't heard from him in right. a while. Um, and actually I'm going to load it up. I had it up and I closed it um, too soon here. Um, so, and you know what? Sorry. He was the third, third highest rated defensive player. Not, uh, not second, but Matello played 13 total snaps. Uh, he had not played since North Carolina. Uh, on defense here where he had two snaps so he hadn't played five games five weeks uh and then he played 13 snaps which was his second most of the season he had 17 against marshall uh but by you know his his best game he had the two sacks which that's another one where it's like this is cool for this year but it's even better for next year because you know the viper position for notre dame is not necessarily you know stacked Heading into 2023, in terms of you know just um, even just even just having bodies there, most of the players that are filling out or you know at least as of today would fill out the depth chart for next year weren't necessarily recruited to be Vipers. They were you know recruited at other positions mm-hmm. and are maybe maybe playing there. And a lot of the DNs that Notre Dame's recruited are all more you know strong side ends who you know maybe even move to the interior at some point in their career. So seeing him flash was um, was fun because I mean I've talked about Jordan Batello probably more for a player who has played as few snaps as he has the last two seasons um, on this pod just because I he's exciting he 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 makes some plays when he's out there so I really liked seeing him and uh, when I tweeted that it was like what well, well you know it's, you know well he'll never play again so don't get used to it and it's like okay you know what. He played, he got snaps. Like, let's let's be happy that he was out there and he made good plays because that's what that's what we want. Yeah, right. And, and so and that's another reason why I don't like the, the it's, uh, goes along with the Colsey thing, too. Like. We don't know where these guys are. We don't know where they're at in practice or where they're at with yeah. the team or how close they are or whatever. Like, We don't know any of that. We don't know their attitude. So it's like. And and it's hard because of the the portal era. You feel like any player who isn't really playing, yeah. Like, well, they're gonna they're gonna jump in the portal, you know, and that's it, right? And you just maybe they are still, right? Who knows? Uh, yeah. It's not that we know. It's just that like 
we we don't know where the team their development and that sort of thing. So yeah, um, it's great. Look, it's awesome, right? You you want guys who can come in and 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 we you know Batelho was supposed to be a key player last year. He wasn't, and he hasn't been so far this year. But then he made two huge plays. So good. Yeah. Yeah, love love to see it. Um, like I said, mainly for you know for uh, you know for for next year, you know. But I mean, also great to see it if he can if he can provide that you know for the rest of the season because the pass rush hasn't always been great this year. Uh, sack numbers are way down. Um, and, and and the other thing that I definitely want to to chat through here is the red zone defense. While we're talking about things that uh, you know maybe you know are down you know from last year because it is now like. I mean, it's it's almost impossible to be worse in the red zone than Notre Dame is right now because they are that. I mean, it it if something doesn't change in a hurry, uh, you know, for 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 Notre Dame, it's going to be like a historically bad red zone defense, which is weird because again, this team shuts shuts teams down pretty well between the twenties, and for whatever reason. It, it has just not been – it's not been good. <laughs> it's not been good once they get in the 20. I'm gonna. I'm yeah. trying to find the, uh, the the numbers, but I think it is – is it 20 for 20 now this season? It's 19 for 19 or 20 for 20 once they it was, get – Let's see. It was 18 of 18 coming in. They scored the 20. one. So, you know, here we go. It's 20 for 20. Are there any scores outside the red zone? No, but I think it was 17 for 17 last coming into last week, and they were three for three. Yeah, because it's 20 for 20 Uh, right now. Uh, 17 out of 20 trips to the red zone have ended in a touchdown for the opponents. Like, okay, even if you get the stop on the interception where, uh, you know, where apparently it was Adam Adam Alola, you know, lined up off sides, or you know, they they take that touchdown off the board and you you end up stopping them when the when the receiver ran out of bounds. Fine. That, that's still 16 out of 20 times the opponent has gotten into your red zone that they scored a touchdown. I mean, it 100% success rate in the red zone is is terrible right? for the it's like and it, it's crazy because I get, I'm watching my Eagles today and I forget it was something like, yeah, the Steelers got to the red zone four times and got like six, like six points or something, or no, they got, uh, they got a touchdown and like a field goal or something and got stopped. I was like, I forgot what this feels like, you know, watching football. Um, it's not good. I don't, and I still just can't wrap my head around it. I, I don't, I can't figure out what, what it is. I, I don't, that, I, I don't, I can't even like, what, how do you, I don't, I don't know how you even like, like, um, like pretend to come up with a solution or, I don't know. or rhyme like, or reason. Like I, I, I can't. They're I had so one. Good. Go. I had one. Let's let's hear it. Let's hear we, your. We uh, we your put hypothesis. Brian Mason in charge of red zone defense because that man <laughs> could coach his ass off. Um, and I think that's it. That's the only logical thing I could think of is you put Mason out there, and you just tell him to pretend. That when they get to the red zone, it's a punt, and that man will get you a stop. I'm I'm pretty certain of it. I gotta tell you, I thought that defense they were in um, on the first drive when the slant touchdown. I thought that was a kind of bizarre call. Yeah. Well, then they switch it up right after. 
switch what up? The defense weren't they? Because um, wasn't it? Would, would, well, I guess go. What, what, what about it was uh, was bizarre to you? Well, so they they essentially went zero coverage because uh, they had they were in man. Yeah. They brought no safety. So or they 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 brought the safety to play man against the back out of the backfield, and then the corner and the nickel had a wide receiver, and then Morrison was solo on Gadsden to the to the boundary. But you you had no safety in the middle of the field, but then you didn't bring pressure. The linebackers were kind of in a zone. I don't know if they were like spying or what, but if like if you're not going to bring pressure, then being in zero is really. I mean, it's tough, <laughs> and yeah. so and I and they were in zero like Morrison, you cannot give up the inside, and he gave it up willingly. It almost feels he, like he he didn't understand the call. Yeah, because he like he like opened it up and like was like yeah, take he, it. He opened up like it was like there he had help inside and he absolutely did not from anyone. Yeah. Um. So I I don't. It, but it's it's odd to be in zero. And you're not bringing pressure with it. Yeah. Usually those two things kind of go hand in hand, right? Yep. Um. So I I I didn't like that. You're <laughs> you're leaving yourself vulnerable and you're also <laughs> not heating them up. So I, yeah. I don't know. It, that's an interesting call. Yeah, I don't. I mean, like a joke about you know, having Mason in charge of it, but like, I, I mean, at this point, does Freeman just say like, "I'm taking over red zone"? Like, I, we, no, I, he's know, not going to do that. I, you have to do something. You can't. You can't allow the the opponent to score 100 percent of the time. Like even bad defenses, you know, don't uh, you know don't do that. And it's just. Like I said, I, it's it's something that I can't quite wrap my head around because it, it, it's not like this is a bad defense, right? They play they play really good football a lot of the time, and just for whatever reason, when it gets down into the red zone, whatever they're doing is just not working like at all. Um, so I, it, it is alarming <laughs> to say the least in terms of. Uh, Again, thinking not just this year, but thinking next year too, because it's like, well, they're probably not gonna, you know, Al Golden's gonna be back, so like, you gotta figure something out because, whew, I don't know, uh, it is, it's like you get there, and it's like I, in that game, I was just like, well, kind of feel like they're gonna score a touchdown here because they got to the red zone. I was like, well, there they go, okay, oh, there they go again. That's six for six the last two weeks with six touchdowns. Because UNLV was three for three with three touchdowns too. Yeah. Oh, it is not. Yeah, it's uh, it's something. Um, you wanna you wanna get to a question from Ryan Ritter? Yeah. Yeah. You know what? And sorry, folks who are listening, I forgot to post the questions or ask for questions because um, we were a little unsure if we were gonna be able to go tonight, and I remembered while we started recording, so I threw it out there very late. Um. Here we go. Okay. Yeah, this is a great question because um, I kind of alluded to it a little bit earlier. But anyway, Ryan at ND Tech says, everyone seems to lament that Notre Dame um, has a bad quarterback situation. Did everyone forget about Buckner? Sure, Marshall was rough, but Ohio State was great. Are we all convinced that that small sample is enough to look elsewhere so fast? 
You want me to take it or you should go first? Um, because I think I've talked about quarterback quite a bit. Well, I don't um, think I don't think I, I wouldn't say Ohio State was great. It was promising. It was it was promising in in context. Yeah. And then I think that promise went away right. when the Marshall game came. You know, right. so it was like he didn't he didn't he didn't freak out at Ohio State. And so he did some good things. Yeah. Uh, but he what it wasn't like a great game. Right. But you it, you thought like okay, he he comported himself well enough. He he's going to If be he fine. does this on the road against Ohio State in his first career start, what's he going to do? Exactly. You know, going forward, right? Yeah. So then Marshall comes and it's like, "Whoa, this stinks." Yeah. Um But I mean the under, so, the offensive line stank that day too. And that's right. kind of what it, like it, So it is it is difficult. And I was just about to say like I think Buckner with this offensive line, I mean their running game would be very I mean, you're, you're running for 240 yards without a, a even a threat of a run at quarterback. Right. So that yeah, we'd be running three, three, 300 plus easy again. Yeah. It would be like yeah. those that that stretch we had in 2017 when you had With Winbush Brandon. and Adams yeah. just like trucking people. And, you know, you had uh, what didn't what was it Winbush and Adams both went over 200 or whatever in the BC game. There was some, I can't remember what it was now. It was some crazy, or was it that Wimbush threw for 200 and ran for 200? Now I can't remember what it was. Uh, it was something like it that. But anyway, BC. yeah, I know it was BC, you know, 2017. Um, but yeah, so I, I think in general, there was a game against Wake Forest too. Uh, oh yeah, he did. They went. Uh, he had himself uh, an afternoon there. Uh, that was the one where we were up a lot though, right? And then like, yeah. The defense gave up like a bunch of second half touchdowns. Thirty-four um, points. So the thing I was going to say about this is, like, yes, I would love to see what Buckner would look like in this, you know, in this offense with this offensive line, because the offensive line playing right now is not the offensive line that we saw against Marshall. That yeah. line was under siege that day, and I don't know what the hell, how Marshall was able to do that, because it's like. Even if it, you know, they they found some you know, flaw or weakness or whatever to exploit, it's like it's Marshall. I, it, it's there was that was again that was a weird weird game um, because this offensive line is playing great right now. Um, again, players, you know, yeah. defenses know there's like to your point, no threat of the quarterback running. There's not that great of a threat throwing the ball other than to Mayer, and we're still running, you know, into stacked lines. That last estimate touchdown. Was what there was like nine in the box, and he ran in the end zone almost untouched somehow. So I would love to see Buckner, uh, you know, in the in this offense because I don't think he necessarily got a fair or not that didn't get a fair shot, uh, you know, because he, he got his he got his shot, he got hurt. Um, it was just kind of a cruel twist of fate that he, you know, he didn't get to play with this line and show what he could do throwing the ball. I think the reason. You know, I myself have said, like, I think Notre Dame absolutely has to get a transfer quarterback this year. And I think a lot of other Notre Dame fans think the same. It's just because, unfortunately, it's now three major injuries for him in his career. Um, and on top of, you know, two minor injuries in limited action. He had the the injury last year uh, that was minor, but again, not uh, it was still an injury. And he had the injury that caused him to miss the spring game, which again, also minor, but it's like, he, he's going to be a run. He's a running quarterback and he's had injury 
challenges. So it's like you can't – if you were Notre Dame and you're Marcus Freeman and you're saying, this is my year two, I have some things lined up on the roster elsewhere, we have a shot to make a run this year at a playoff bid, like, can you sit there and say, I can, I can trust the room that I have right now? And I don't think you can say that because it's like, well, you know that if something happens to Buckner again, what you're left with. So, right. um, so I, I think that's why I, you know, everyone is, or a lot of people are saying, like, well, something needs to change in this room, you know, for, you know, for next year. Like, I mean, I'd love it if Buckner, you know, comes back, you know, is healthy and, you know, turns out to be the quarterback that we all thought he was going to be. Cause remember I was very, very, very high on Tyler Buckner in, um, in the, in the, in the summer leading so up to, I. yeah. And, and, but it's like, you just look at it, you, you know, it's an unfortunate, you know, situation, but it's almost like, um, what was his name? Uh, the guy he's at Washington now, Penix at Indiana. It's like, mm-hmm. again, nobody was not, not too many people were, you know, jumping up and down saying Notre Dame should look at him in the portal. He's in the portal. He's in the portal. It's cause like, yeah, cause it's like, he had a lot of injuries in Indiana. So people were not too many other schools were like, yeah, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll roll the dice. And it's worked out well for, you know, for Washington. But I think that's just kind of the reality of the situation. And that's why, um, that is why, uh, you know, I think you're going to see Notre Dame be active in that regard, you know, in, in terms of the board. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the problem is you just, they, you didn't get to see him play and he doesn't get the development either. Yeah. You know, so it's like, he's not getting better as a player. Right. And it's like, you also look at like on top of the injuries he's had, like he didn't play high school football in 2020 because of, you know, California and the, you know, they had their season in the spring and he wanted to enroll in the spring. So it's like, okay. So he didn't play in 2020 or uh, yeah, in 2020, 2021, he got in a few games, you know, did some good things, but we didn't really hear from him after that Virginia Tech game much. And then it's like, okay, well, that's like a season where he didn't really play a whole lot. This year, he got less than two games. And it's like, in 20, it was 20, 2018 was the season that I think he originally had his first injury, if I'm correct. Yeah. And if, um, so it's like, he has not played a lot of football in the last five years or four years, which is not great, to your point, for, for his own development. So while... You know, the arm talent's there and all that's there. It's like, I just don't know if you could bank on that if you're Notre Dame. And not to give up on him either, but it's like, you got to, you know, you got to do you. Like Marcus Friedman, you know, he has another season like this next year. Like there will be much more pressure than I think there is right now on him. Because right now, I mean, it's first year. I don't think there's much, um, you know, other than, you know, fans complaining right now. Um, I, so I don't think there's any you know, sort of real pressure, but um, and also it was that BC game. Adams and Wimbush did both go f- over 200 yards. Yeah, these numbers are like insane video game numbers too in this game. In that game, just to recap, in case anyone forgot about that one, Adams ran the ball 18 times for 229 for an average of 12.7 yards per attempt. He had a long of 65. Wimbush ran the ball 21 times for 207 for a 9.9 average with four rushing touchdowns and also a long of 65 yards. As a team, Notre Dame ran the ball 51 times 
for 515 yards for a team average 10.1 yards per carry and seven rushing touchdowns. Seven. Throwing the ball that day, they were 11 of 27 for 96 yards. (laughs) 3.6 yards average per attempt. Uh, zero touchdowns oh and one interception. Oh my god, that's amazing! That and won amazing. by twenty nine points. That's good stuff. That's insane. I, I mean, that game. I remember uh, a buddy of mine at work, uh, who I used to work with, was at that game because I think like his well, his now wife is it was a BC alum, and he came back into yeah. work on Monday. He was like, "Man, your quarterback is one of the best running packs I've ever seen, but man, he can't throw. And I was like, ah, it's fine. We're going to teach him how to do that. Um, and then that didn't quite work how we wanted it to. Um, but, uh, and it's funny too, speaking, speaking of coworkers and just in general, how we fans take some of this stuff and uh, how people who maybe aren't as close to watching Notre Dame football, you know, perceive things is, uh, I had, again, current coworker text me after the game and say, did you swear off of Notre Dame football? Because that was actually a real solid win for them. Um, so just kind of joking that you know, me giving up on them would have been uh, what, what preceded, uh, you know, Notre Dame getting a big, uh, a big quality win. And it was like that happened. And my next door neighbor who I saw outside yesterday was just like, hey. Yeah, it looks like Notre Dame's really turning around. That's pretty cool, man. All right, hey, we'll probably be better next year, right? And I was just like, oh, man, the thought's going through my head right now. Uh, so I, was just, I was just like, yeah, man, totally. You know, great game, great game. And it's, it's funny because, again, met up with neighbors last night to watch the Phillies game, and a bunch of them too were like, oh, it looked like Notre Dame had a pretty good win today. And I'm like, this is so funny. So I was like, literally everybody that I am that I've spoken to it's not like a diehard Notre Dame fan. It's like, oh, it's a pretty good win for Notre Dame today. And like, I remember, I'm like, well, Notre Dame Twitter doesn't think so, and the message boards don't 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 think so. So sometimes it's kind of it's interesting to see you know other people's perspectives who don't uh, don't eat, sleep, and breathe this stuff, uh, or or even just follow another team. Um, so uh, good 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 to have that perspective sometimes. Um, let's see, we got a couple other questions. So thankfully we got some, even though I sent them out late, we got one from, uh, at the J train eight, um, who was name that's, that's the, the username, but it also says, I don't know, actually the Twitter terminology to what is the difference between the, the, the display name and the, so there's user. the handle and then there's the name. Okay. So the handle is five and three. We are a road team. Great name. Um, says, what is this team's record if Jack Cohn or any other average slash good transfer was the quarterback? I mean, we've we've said it on multiple pods now, and it just it's gonna it's get you know it gets better. We would be seven and one. I think like two weeks ago we were like Notre Dame's five and one. After the Stanford game, we were like Notre Dame is you know five and one yeah. with 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 Cone this year. So it's like, yeah, obviously, then we would have, you know, beaten UNLV and also beaten, um, uh, you know, Syracuse with Cone. So it would be seven and one. I don't think Cone would have, you know, made the difference against Ohio State, but uh, at worst, seven and one, we'll say. So I mean, plus, like, it is, it, I will say, like, Cone, 
post Marshall would be doing numbers because if you give him the time that oh, that's a good getting, point. he could deal, you know what I mean? But yeah. like the reason they almost lost to Toledo is because they couldn't block them. I mean, remember yeah, the, the person who, who really sparked Notre Dame against Toledo was Buckner. Was Buckner, yeah. He had the lo- he he was the one who had the the long touchdown to uh, Tyree. To Tyree. He had the he had the uh, the drive, the long drive to get them going um, to score their first touchdown. Um. So I don't know. I mean, I guess if we're assuming that you know uh, Cone is the quarterback and and uh buckner is still available somehow like it, it uh, let's just say if they had the same quarterback dynamic as last year yeah i'm trying to decide if they they may have beaten ohio state i doubt it no i doubt I it so. actually i yeah. doubt it because i i think that we get kind of I think if Notre Dame had started scoring, I think Ohio State would have turned it up. Yeah. I think they would have raised their game enough, just like they did against Penn State. They yeah. they raised their game to the point where it's like they did what they had to do to win. Um, so I that's kind of how I view it. Um, but I think they would have they they would be seven to one. Yeah, like they'd be like a top ten team right now for sure. Yeah. Which is crazy. Like, it, it, think you think about that again. If if uh, if we had a cone, cone or you know or similar quarterback, it'd be seven and one. We'd be facing the number five team in the country this weekend. We we Notre Dame fans would be going nuts right now, like absolutely nuts. Um, and being like, we'd be talking playoff scenarios. We the whole thing. It'd be it would be you know it would be a redo of twenty fifteen. Where we had lost uh, to Clemson, yeah. and it was like going through, you know, October, November. Like, okay, we all we gotta do is, you know, gotta get 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 there with one loss, and uh, and we'll have a chance. So, ah, uh, hey, what 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 could have been? But um, anyway, we got one one more question, one more set of questions here. Uh, it's just a two parter. Uh, one we already covered off is, did Colsey earn himself some real playing time moving forward this season? I think we answered that already. Oh, and I'm sorry. This is from Jack O'Sullivan. Uh, and secondly, if Notre Dame, this is a good one. If Notre Dame plays a game just like yesterday, who are they more likely to beat, Clemson or USC? Um, they play that style. I yeah, just like that kind of game. You know, uh, 19 pass attempts. This is how I'm interpreting it. Like 19 pass yeah. attempts, 55 or whatever, however many runs it was, 56 running attempts. Who were they more um, likely to beat? I would say USC. So I thought that too, at first. But then my other thought was like USC can put up numbers more so than Syracuse can. They can. So it's like, although I guess, yeah, if you're running it at USC, there's a, there's the keep them off the field uh, aspect of it as well. So yeah, maybe I would stick, stay agreeing with, uh, with USC. At first I thought maybe Clemson, but it does I mean, kind of feel it's like. It's kind the- of hard. Well, it's hard because like 
I'm just thinking like if Notre Dame can like if Notre Dame runs for that many yards against USC, I think there's a good chance that they'll win. Yeah. Um. The, but I think Dano Babers made a good point though, that he was like the problem is is that we got down, and we never got to the point where we we could, we were able to get them out of what they wanted to do. Yeah. He's like if we had gotten up on them, yeah. then they would have had they would have had to stop running the ball a little bit. They would have had to throw more. And and so with USC, it's kind of like, I don't know, are we are we banking on taking a big lead? Or not just a big lead, but any kind of lead that allows you to just stay patient and do what you want. And that's kind of the, the key to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Clemson, like I don't really feel like Clemson has the type of offense to where – it's like if they get up 14 nothing, like I'm not afraid that Clemson is going to put up like 35, right? Right. It's not that they can't. It's just like I don't have the same fear where it's like if USC goes up 14 nothing, then oh boy, man, that could be that yeah. could be ugly. You know what I mean? So yeah. I think it, it's kind of like I don't know. I guess if Notre Dame runs the ball 56 times or whatever it is against USC, I mean, that's like great news. It's like the best news possible. So that's why I would say if they're able to run it that many times, um, I think they have a better chance to beat USC in that instance. All right. I think that is a, that is a fair take. I still, it's so funny. I mean, USC and Clemson are just like, such polar opposites this year yeah and i don't quite know um i guess i i don't quite know which i feel like Notre Dame has a better chance at in general like regardless of how like which, which game so we'll see let's see not not too long before um you know we uh we, we see how they look against uh against clemson all right this is gonna be a little bit shorter one since i did not Pose the questions, but I'm not too opposed to that. Uh, yeah. Mainly because I am running on some fumes, my friend. Uh, that Friday night World Series game ending as late as it did was just awful. I was, I was it was. Whew. Like I didn't get to bed till after one, and the baby still got up at his normal time because he didn't know. He didn't know Dad was, you know, downstairs just slamming Yinglings, and uh, which is a very cheap uh, Pennsylvania beer that I bought specifically for the World Series. Uh, but he uh, he didn't know. He didn't know that's what I was doing. Uh, and it was just, yeah, yesterday was yesterday was tough. And then I uh, decided to go to neighbor's house for game two. And uh, again, I didn't, that, luckily the game ended earlier, but uh, still, you know, went to bed very late. And then I had the Eagles game today. It's been, it's been... It's been tough. I will say that. And I got hopefully at least three more days in a row coming up of World Series games and then Thursday night football. So by like by Saturday, I just I might I'm going to just watch the Clemson game and I might just just be silent. Just be like, I can't I can't sports right now. This is too much. <laughs> and man, if I though I have been thinking if I this happened when I was like 25. Holy hell. Um the things you know the way the way the week would have gone or this this week would would have gone probably be very different <laughs> instead of me being like i'm tired i need naps to get through all of this but uh 
it's been fun. Notre Dame did their part. Yeah, Notre Dame did its part to, you know, to to keep the the good vibes going. The Eagles did their part today. Even the Phillies getting the split in Houston was awesome, um, especially the way they did it on Friday night. So, I don't know. We'll see. Hopefully, hopefully by the next time we pod, uh, there's even more good sports news in my life, Greg. That's that's go. the hope. That's the hope. There yeah, there you, there you go. Even the Sixers have learned how to play basketball again, it seems. Because um, they were looking really, really bad for the first week and a half of the season. Uh, but they've won three in a row now, I think. Maybe it's just two. No, it is just two. They beat the Raptors and they beat the Bulls last night. So all things are looking up. All things are looking up. Uh, except our reviews. We got no new reviews this week. Those are not looking up right now. So hopefully we... Um, Hopefully we uh, we get uh, we get some more of those and let's see I think did we get one more question while we were uh, now you know what uh, the our, our friend the puzzle dipshit uh, who's asked us some questions before did ask one um, got it in under the wire uh, but we already kind of answered it but um, you know he just uh, says okay honestly what's the actual deal do you think it's literally something about playing at home that makes us bad or is it just a matchup by matchup coincidence why should everybody not just ride the home away against the spread performance trends for the rest of the season love the pod that's you know that's kind of like a review, right? It's yeah. Like a, it's a half review in in, we'll in call Twitter. It a review. I like the I like the ride in the home away against the spread performance trends. That seems um, like a, a good idea. Not an endorsement for anybody to you know to you know to to gamble though. That is not what I'm saying. Um, but uh, I don't know if it's a coincidence. I do. It, I've said it before though too. There is there's different. Uh, you know, there's different responsibilities, there's different procedures, there's different all those things, home versus away. And a lot of Notre Dame coaches have talked about it in the past, where there's there's more responsibilities for them, there's more responsibilities, there's more pressure, you know, for the players, where it is, hey, you know, I got family, I gotta, you know, be visiting with, I gotta do all this stuff, blah, 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 blah. Versus a road game is just I get to go play football. And you know, sometimes, you know, and it's because it's also like not like Notre Dame's going to these crazy hostile environments this year either, other than, you know, Ohio State. So that could be part of it. Right. It's like you have a lot of fans in the, in the stands in these, um, you know, in these stadiums. So that could be, um, you know, playing playing a role because we've also seen some Notre Dame teams do not great things on the road. Um, you know, see Michigan 2019 and, you know, Miami 2017. But um I don't know. I don't know if there, like I said, who knows? I we I don't know for sure. You know, Fre- did Freeman change anything up? You know, on on the procedures that go on, other than the mass. Uh, you know, reintroducing mass. Uh, this uh, you know this year. I don't. Uh, we're not uh, we're not quite privy to those things to know if it was. Uh, you know, if there's if there's adjustments there that they can do or whatever, or if they need to just evaluate. You know, kind of how they're approaching it relative to other years, because it does look like. It just doesn't look good at home, right? And hopefully, you know, your your point earlier about it's going to be Clemson, that stadium should be rocking. Everybody, you know, doesn't doesn't need a reason, as you uh, you, you pointed out. Uh, I forget if it was last week or the week before. Yeah. Uh, doesn't need a reason to get up early, you know, to to you know to you know to be loud. Um, so we'll see. Although one thing I might be interested in is to see how many Clemson fans 
show up this weekend because it is their first time in the stadium or their they're, where their fans are allowed to come because they were there in 20, but you know the fans weren't allowed. And I wonder how much orange we're going to see. It doesn't, I don't know. Have you, it doesn't seem like there's like a buzz on. It just doesn't seem like there's like a lot of this, you know, people are definitely. Yeah. Like, like you knew, out. you knew Georgia in 2017. Uh, that was like, that was like a thing, right? You knew. Yeah. Like the the Nebraska 2020, like that was like it, it was being talked about as like it's gonna be bad. Like just get ready for it. And same thing with Georgia, even Cincinnati last year. I remember there was a lot of talk like Cincinnati fans are coming out for this because they think they got a chance. Obviously they did, and it's like they want to be there for it. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it'll be more like Oklahoma was in 2013 because I was at that game and there was like a good number of Oklahoma fans, but not like, not like 2017 Georgia. So I was at that game too. And that was downright like, wow, there is way too many Georgia fans here. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm surprised no one, uh, we'll see. I wonder if there, there'll be more, uh, there'll be more chatter about that. This, uh, you know, this, uh, you know, throughout the week. So, all right, buddy. I think we we covered off on all the things. At least I think I, all the things that I had on my list. Anything else you you know you wanted to uh, to bring up from the game? No, man. No, yeah. it's exciting. It is exciting game coming up. Hey, hey. it'll be. Uh, it, it has the chance to completely change the the narrative of this season. One hundred, like one hundred percent. It has the the chance to do that. Notre Dame wins this game. The narrative of the season changes a lot and it goes from disappointing season to ah first time head coach had some hiccups but got monster win at home against a top 10 team and has three wins over top he would if Notre Dame can pull off the upset of Clemson they would have three wins over ranked opponents already which is impressive so we'll see hopefully it happens I would love it love it I would be the that would be the cherry on top of the Sunday uh, you know, for me, for my sports, my week of, of, of sports madness with uh, with Philadelphia just seemingly winning a lot of things, which I'm not used to happening. So Notre Dame beating Clemson would just be, like I said, cherry on top. So let's uh, let's go for it. So thank you for those of you who sent us questions, even though I suck and sent them out late. Appreciate you getting them uh, get getting some in. Uh, you know, for us, um, we always appreciate you listening. And as always, go Irish. <laughs>